What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Every great magic trick consists of three acts. The first act is called The Riley and Jimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Toys, movies, comics, and so much more. The Riley and Kimmy Show. And the more that you listen, the more that you know. The Riley and Kimmy Show. It's a Sunday version of the Riley and Kimmy Show. If you're listening to the day, this is uploaded number 1045. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Hi. Hi there. I am your host, Patrick Riley. I am the villain of the story. Yeah, that's so true. And right next to me is the hero of this story. Kimmy. I got one name. Kimmy. She is the worst person in the world. I've been with her for centuries. Things I've seen her do. That is so true. And by the way, speaking of being with her for centuries, we have an anniversary coming up. We'll be celebrating it just a week away. You can celebrate with us at the Daytona Beach Comic Book Convention. Happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary. That's right, that uh, anniversary just coming around the corner, right, Kimmy? Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that celebration will be on Sunday, November 13th. Yeah, when the full super moon is out. It, perfect, right? You're going to turn into a werewolf. This is great. You know, have your wolf bane in hand when you come to the to the Daytona Beach Comic Book Convention because of Kimmy. And get ready to help us celebrate Mm -hmm. our anniversary. Perfect place to uh, have an anniversary at, too. I can't think of any other thing better than that than having a nerd geek anniversary kind of day. Uh Uh-huh. And spending it with friends and new friends, too. And that's at the Daytona Beach Comic Book Convention coming up on Saturday or Sunday. Coming up on Sunday, November 13th, just days away, one week away from when we upload this show. And we had the opportunity just recently to sit down with show promoter, showrunner Tom Raup and talk about what's happening at the Daytona Beach Comic Book Convention. We're very lucky that Tom spent some time with us. Tom, I can't believe you actually uh, took a break out of all that planning to be with us. I always have time for the Riley and Kimmy show. And I know you're, you're quite busy because you're getting ready for the big, big nerd event happening on Sunday, November 13th. Yes, Daytona Beach Comic Book Convention. Um, It's going to be 120 plus tables. Uh, We have probably 55 different vendors selling comics from the golden age to the present. Uh, We have 20-some different guests to meet uh, from the comic book business, writers, artists, creators, uh, 20 different... Well, I guess we got media stars. I have a little bit of everything here. You know, you actually do have... Let's see, you got... 
uh, two that were just recently on television, uh, Patty and Eric Waller. Yes, yes, Vicious Collectibles. Um, they are well known for being in a uh, bake-off or cakery sort of thing. A so baking show baking on television. show, there we go. <laughs> but they, they have Vicious Collectibles and they do Cupcake Zombies. Yes, and those will be available for gifts and all kinds of, uh, you know, uh, fun and chaos. Also, Joel D. Winecoop, who we mentioned, movie director, actor. Actor extraordinary, and also one of our guys that's going to be running the costume contest, along with the lovely Kimmy. Uh, yes, Kimmy is uh, back as a judge. Yes. Now, my question for you, I'm going, to, I'm going to throw a name out, and I'm kind of curious who, what you would say I'm going to, with this artist. If, if he's sketching, I think he is that day, what would you, if Tom was going up to get a sketch, Jim Fern? If I went up to see Jim Fern, um, I know he, he worked on, on Spider-Man, of course. Uh, but he also worked at DC Comics on Fable, so I would probably get a character from Fable. I think that's a, a great, great title, and there's some really cool characters in that book. Fantastic. And so many different types of vendors you have there. If somebody's looking for maybe comic books, you know, Pop Culture Playgrounds there to name one, but there's other comic book dealers too, right? Yes, uh, many of the local stores that are going to be helping support the show. Um, we have World of Comics that's going to be there. We have Nerds Comics. Uh, as far as comics, we also have people coming out of Georgia, like Fine Comics. Uh, out of South Carolina will be uh, Bank Robbins. Um, he's comic whiz. So we, we have comic books from the golden age to the present. Uh, a lot of local Florida dealers, such as John from Past and Present Comics, uh, will also be set up there selling comics. We have collectibles. Your great friend Jim. Oh, Jim Car- Car- Carousel yep. Collectibles. Carousel Collectibles will be there. Along with him, Cliff's Books, uh, Dave Finley from Feed Your Imagination. Okay. So there's a lot of great stuff there. And let's... I got a guess here. Do you think there'll be some Doctor Strange items there because you know the movie's out? Doctor Strange stuff. Yeah, of course, of course, there'll be Doctor Strange stuff. Um, a little bit of everything for everybody. And the entertainment, Phantasmagoria Orlando. Phantasmagoria Orlando will be there. Um, my understanding is they're going to be there for about two hours. They are going to be there to entertain, do a little bit of fire, Ooh. a little bit of dance. So we have that. Cool. Again, you can come in. You can meet Joel. You can meet his wife, Kathy. Nice. Um, we have the Riley and Kimmy show, so you can come in and talk of all things nerds. Yes. And we also have the Super Radio Brothers going to be there, cool. too. So there's a little bit of everything for everybody. Definitely for all ages. And I know you probably mentioned it, but just in case you didn't, or, well, I just forgot. That's plain truth here. Admission, how much to get into the show? Uh, admission is $8. Okay. Um, there are some select stores that will be selling advanced tickets up until... This Friday coming up um, for six dollars, so you save two bucks. Um, if you are a veteran, or if you go to Emory Riddle College itself, where the event's being held at, then you can come in with your uh, ID, and you will actually get a discount and be able to get in for six dollars also. Fantastic! We'll put a link right here on the video, be you know, right right here to the Daytona Beach Comic Book Convention's website. You can also find that on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Follow them on Facebook, too, because you are uh, quite faithful with Facebook. Yes, yep. No, we, we appreciate everybody that can follow us on Facebook. We also have a web page up, um, Daytona Beach Comic Book Convention.com. So if you get a chance, please check it out and follow us on Facebook. Support all the local stores that are helping support us. Uh, we got a big shout-out. We want to thank Mike's Comics for their support. Um, Comic Central for taking flyers from us and all the other stores that have helped us. So thanks a lot, guys. Uh, it was great having Tom Rump on the Riley and Kimmy show. Yeah, thank you, Tom. Yes, and thank you for having us part of your event. That is the Daytona Beach Comic Book Convention. Also, shout out and thank you going out to co-promoter 
That is Jake Bates for having us back to this big, fun, nerd, geek, pop culture event. And by the way, you can check out a video with Tom that we had, the video version of the interview. It's available on our Facebook page, also our website and other social media links. And you can find links to everything right on our website. And that web address is? RileyandKimmy.com. That's right. RileyandKimmy.com. We look forward to seeing you at this fun, unique event, if you will, because it leans more towards comic books and collectibles compared to some other types of shows, right, Kimmy? It's, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you never know what you're going to find at the Daytona Beach Comic Book Convention. And by the way, I want to mention a couple of comic book guests that we didn't get in the interview there. Uh, X-Men artist Greg Land will be there. Also, writer and editor and former Marvel and Malibu comics editor and comic book creator himself. That is Roland Mann will be there. He's also a teacher, too, about the world of comic books. Artist inker Jeff Whiting, he's worked on The Tick, will be there. Writer, artist, publisher Bill Black, and one of our favorites, oh, he does these beautiful portraits and illustrations. That's Kyle R. Willis will be there, and many others. You can find out the entire comic book guest list at the Daytona Beach website. That's the Daytona Beach Comic Convention.com. We have links right on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Who are you? I'm Dr. Strange. Now, shortly after we upload this episode of uh, 1045 of the Riley and Kimmy Show, we will be going to see Dr. Strange. I'm trying to urge Kimmy to see it in 3D. I know this is one of those films that you it's 3D kind of recommended, although I've been hearing great reports about 2D being fantastic as well. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm all, you know, I'm, I know all the trippy imagery, if you will, of Dr. Strange. I... I grew up with Dr. Strange, reading him when I think very few in the mainstream were even aware of who the doctor was. Matter of fact, Kimmy will attest to this. On our wall of George Perez art, I actually have, many years ago, I had him sketch a Dr. Strange. Mm-hmm. That was before people were probably coming up and going, oh, what, Dr. Strange? I bet, I bet he gets that now. But, mm-hmm. you know, we, we have one of those, you know, Dr. Stranges before. He's probably sketching a lot of Dr. Stranges. That's how, just how much I like Dr. Strange. And I hope Kimmy will enjoy The Doctor as well. I think she is going to really like this film, not trying to taint her review. We hope to have that on 1046. Now, by the way, we have on our website the the hidden, you know, not the hidden, the end credit scenes. If you want to know what those are, if you want to spoil yourself, if you don't know already, we have those right on our nerd news section. And then we have like 30 Easter eggs and inside jokes that are in this movie Some of them might be spoilers. I'm not really certain if they are or aren't. But if you want to see those ahead of time or if you've seen the movie, you'd say, man, I didn't didn't know that was there. Yeah, you can check that out. That's right on the nerd news section. And also something just for fun, the 1970s, things that we do not miss about television, things that are around the world of TV, TV TV-oriented things, sort of like console TVs is one of them. From the mm. 1970s. Do you miss the console TV? That's no. one that they list. See, I do. I think it'd be really cool having all those big hunk of wood things, you know, <laughs> again. Um, I think they're great because you can put all kinds of things on top of them. You know, you had a shelf, a big shelf. Uh-huh. You know, think of the statues I could put on there and the collectibles on top of that. Sure. You, would you uh, no. The only downside to the console TV, well, besides the fact that actually the screen wouldn't look that big now, mm-hmm. is, is the fact that they were heavy to move. Mm-hmm. I mean, you never moved a console TV. Come on. I watched people move them. Uh, see, she supervised. You're supposed to say, I supervised the moving of the console TV. Uh-huh. Yes. 
the console television set. But that's one of the things they listen. There's quite a, fun, quite a few fun other things that are listed right there. Is there anything that comes right to your mind, right off the top of your head? It could be a TV show or anything else or character or something like that that you don't miss from 1970s that's TV-related. Oh, well, I was thinking of turning the channels. See? I think they have that there, too. Where, But they did have remote controls back then in the 70s. They had, they had the wireless. They also had the wired uh, remote control changers, too. Hmm. But it was more probably prevalent where you would change the channels, the UHF mm-hmm. or VHF. Yeah. Yeah, I'm talking foreign talk to some people. They're like, UHV what? What is he talking about? And yeah, you, I didn't like that dial thing. Well, that VHF was nice for one thing because it only had like 12 channels. You'd go around two through 12. The other one, boy, you had up to 88 of those things or whatever it was you could go through. Mm-hmm. And if you were like Kimmy, when you turned the channels, Kimmy did not do this. Clunk, clunk. She was clunk, 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 clunk. You did, didn't you? You spun real fast through the channels, didn't you? Come on. Mm-hmm. A typical no. person did. That's why those tuners would go out quite often. No. That, that's that's why that would happen. And then you would end up having to change the channels by pliers. And if you're like me, you might get shot, which I did. Mm. While you're waiting for the tuner to get replaced or before you replace it yourself. Once I was old enough to do that, I was replacing them myself. Yeah. Too. And yeah. another thing is that stations would go off the air at midnight that is on the list too kimmy that's funny you see that's on there too not all would but most would they would sign off uh-huh you, you get to sign off and and then snow yeah national anthem and then snow and we'll make kimmy see if she had missed knowing this one some of the television sets of the 1970s when you would shut them off it would take a bit for them to actually shut off it, it would t- they would the picture would go down into a dot Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Did you try to see what was on that dot with a magnifying glass ever? No. I don't know anybody who would have done that. I, uh-huh. I don't, I don't know. I don't, did you ever, did you ever watch the snow to try to see anything in it? Sure. Before Poltergeist? Mm-hmm. You did. Did you ever see anything in it? Sure. In snow? What'd you see? I don't remember. Were, was there a hand touching the glass trying to get out? No. Mm-hmm. Not Nothing like that? No. Okay. See, I used to, because where I grew up out in the middle of Nowhereville, you know, I was in Flatland, USA, I would, late at night, try to pick up TV stations that would ghost in, drift in, you know, a DXing thing is what it's called. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, you would see stuff and get fragments and like that. Uh, that's some fun there. Yeah, you tried to watch the uh, scrambled HBO, didn't you, to see something? No, Kimmy, I did not do that. I never did that, seriously. Really? I wasn't around... Remember, I was not, as a kid, into my teen years, I was out on the prairie. So I, the HBO was not around oh, okay. out there. What I did do was improvise antennas that were made out of, like, lamp cords, and I would throw them up into tree limbs to be able to pick up far away TV stations. So I discovered on this little bitty 12-inch, doesn't even see, it didn't, then it didn't seem, it seemed big, this 12-inch black and white Admiral TV had great reception, better than anything in the house or anything anybody else had that I knew of. I mean, it really pulled things in. But when I connected my uh, MacGyvered antenna late at night, wow, I could pull in things all I mean, my creature feature sampling for uh, Friday and Saturday nights, it doubled. You know, I was picking up stuff far away. Mm. I knew what uh, the original Spengoolie was, and he was 150 plus miles away. Uh-huh. And nobody knew what I was talking about in school. I thought I was nuts. Yeah. Like, what, what was he? Because cable didn't exist and, you know, the listings. Because back, back in the dinosaur days, they used to list TV listings of shows in the newspaper mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And when I'm talking about 
well, you know, example, I'd say, I watched such and such uh, uh, hammer horror film, and everybody think, yeah, sure he did Saturday Night. And I did. Mm-hmm. And then I discovered some of the, uh, and no joke, the Mexican horror films that were made that were shown off a TV station in Chicago on, like, Saturday Night's Real Late. And I'm talking about those, and they're like, what? He's making that up. They, they, because I used to write stories. I, I, I was a, you know, I write short stories and stuff. Mm-hmm. They just thought this was one of my extensions of one of my mm-hmm. short stories in my comic books I would create and write. They, they think, oh, he's just, and they just, and I know they just nodded like, yeah, yeah, sure. Crazy, crazy kid talking again. But I was really watching those things. Uh-huh. So, yeah, those are some of the things Kimmy misses from the 1970s TV oriented world. And uh, some of the things that, you know, I kind of do and do not miss. You can check out and see if you miss any of those things. Write, on our website. Nerd News section is the place to go. You can find that at RileyandKimmy.com. Coming up, we're going to go back in time with a couple of things here on the Riley and Kimmy Show. Sometimes, even good girls and boys are left off Santa's list. With all the blessings and bounty of Christmas, there still doesn't seem to be enough to go around. This year, make a place on your list and in your heart for a child you don't even know. Donate a new unwrapped toy to the Marine Corps Reserve. Toys for Tots. And if you're in the central Florida area of Orlando, be sure to help out and kick off the Toys for Tots drive at Comic Central. That's in Sanford, comic book shop in Sanford. Now, the Orlando Toy and Comic Con will be at Comic Central on November 19th. That's this Saturday during Comic Central's local comic shop day event. Now, the Orlando Toy and Comic-Con will be handing out free admission tickets to the first 100 persons that donate an unwrapped new toy for the start of the Orlando Toy for Tots Toy Drive. Join Comic Central and guest artists Humphrey Ching, Big Chris Butler, and quite a few others who will be on hand starting at noon till 3 is when the artists will be there. But the event goes on all day starting at 11 o'clock. Now, a sidewalk sale will be happening. Also, customer appreciation stamp card event and limited edition local comic shop day variant covers are available as well. Please help out Toys for Tots. Be a superhero. Now, if you're not in the Sanford, Central Florida, Orlando area, you can help out Toys for Tots. Check out their website for participating locations. That's toysfortots.org. And the Riley and Kimmy Show will be on hand. That's Saturday, November 19th for this event. We hope to see you there. Kimmy and I would love to see you uh, play superhero. And by the way, costumers are welcome. Cosplayers, please come on out and help out this event. And if you'd like to become a part of the Riley and Kimmy show, we're looking for people to sing our jinger. Well, uh, wait a minute. You become a jinger when you sing our jingle. That's what it's called, right, Kimmy? Mm -hmm. So we're looking for jingers to sing the Riley and Kimmy show jingle or talk nerd with us. Just come on by. That's at Comic Central on Saturday, November 19th. Kimmy, are you ready to play nerd and pop culture geek trivia? Uh Uh-huh. It is a November 6th as we move over to the Almanac asking Kimmy some questions. Now, if she gets more of these right than wrong, she can have her popcorn at the movie we're going to see in just a little bit. If not, well, no popcorn. That's the way it goes, Kimmy. You better get these right. More right than wrong. Otherwise, no popcorn. Mm. Kimmy's like, Now, Kimmy, remember, you do have a lifeline that you can use. You can invoke at any given time. Okay. It's been provided by artists cool as heck here on the Riley and Kimmy show. Feel free to use it, but remember, use it sparingly. One time only that you can use this. 
We may even make it where it's only one time per week, but right now it's only one time you can use it. All right. Here we go as we open up the almanac for this November 6th. Kimmy, get ready here. First question is, oh, by the way, I need to point out, these may be jumbled around. We may Mm -hmm. not be going linear. These could be anywhere. We may have done a quantum leap thing. Sort of like Sam Beckett, who knows what time you're going to land in. Here is the very first one for this November 6th, a Sunday. How appropriate for what it is. Give me the year that Meet the Press makes its television debut. And I will give you five years, plus or minus. 1989. Meet the Press. Have you ever seen Meet the Press? Mm Mm-hmm. You know it airs on Sunday mornings. Mm-hmm. Has forever. You're stating 1980 what? Nine. Plus minus five. You miss it, Kimmy. It's 1947 that Meet the Press made its television debut. Wow. It was on this date in history. A guy by the name of Jacob Schick was granted a patent for the electric shaver. Give me the year. 1945. The year, Kimmy, 1923. She's two in a hole right now. Here we go. (laughs) No popcorn. I'm feeling a no popcorn here. Kimmy, listen carefully. It is your favorite subject matter. It is history. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. The year, 1860. Abraham Lincoln was elected to the presidency of the United States of America. The question is, what number president was he? 16. Ooh, two for one now. Can she tie it up here? It was on this date. <laughs> Quit looking at me like that. That popcorn's really got you nervous here, doesn't it? You want your popcorn. Mm-hmm. All right, Kimmy. Here, here we go. It was on this date in history. Edwin H. Armstrong announced the development of this item. Within five years, Kimmy. Five years. What is the year he announced the development of FM broadcasting? 1959. Kimmy, the answer is 1935. Would not become commonplace, even with the year you gave for a long time. Mm -hmm. Clear up to like 1980, people were still jamming to the tunes on AM radio. Mm -hmm. What is that somebody just asked? It's that staticky place where, you know... No static at all does not exist, right? Mm-hmm. I still like AM, though. I still listen to AM radio. Try to pick up stations from all over the place called DXing late at night. Moving over to something else happening on this date in history. No question here for you. Came out was 1869. The first official intercollegiate football game was played in New Jersey. It was on this date in history, Kimmy. I'm going to give you the year. It was 1967. Phil Donahue began his TV talk show. It would go on for a period of time. Within five years, Kimmy, tell me how long the Phil Donahue show was on the air. 30 years. Kimmy gets it. She's now three for two, correct? He was on for 29 years. Did you watch the Phil Donahue show ever? Mm -hmm. It it, it aired in your household, your home. Did you like the Phil Donahue show or were you just subject, you know, were you a subject to that because you couldn't change the channel because it was one of those 1970s things? Um, you don't recall. can't say I was a huge fan. Okay, but. okay. I'm just kind of curious. 1973, NASA Pioneer 10 spacecraft began photographing Jupiter. It was on this date in 1990. About 20% of Universal Studios' back lot in Southern California was destroyed in an arson fire. 
It was on this date in 1996. Multiple, multiple choice here for you, Kimmy. You could tie it up. The pressure is on. Are you ready? 1996. Michael Jordan scored 50 points in an NBA game. He had done it before, or hadn't he? That is the question. The question is, A, it was his first time, B, his fifth, C, his 17th, or D, his 29th time, scoring 50 points in a game? Fifth. You say it was his fifth time. The answer is, Kimmy, his 29th time that he did that. Okay. All right, Kimmy, moving over to birthdays, this notable Born on this date in history, passed away a long time ago in 1932. But he was born on this date, died at the age of 77. He was a composer, a conductor, known for his marches. This is one of his biggest. Can you tell me his name? I will accept his last name if you can do that. He's one of those known for three names, but we will accept his last name. Can you tell me who that is who did the Stars and Stripes forever? Sousa. That's correct. Kimmy, is. Uh, I'm going to say you're tied now. We'll just let you do that. I don't know if you really are, but well, we'll give you that because that's kind of a tough one there. John right. Philip Sousa, born on this date in history in 1854. Moving over to a notable having a birthday, an actress, Kimmy. We'll give you the clues. See if you can identify who it is and how old this person is. She's a film and television actress and director. She began her career in television, starring on sitcoms Gidget, 1965 to 1966, The Flying Nun from 67 to 1970, then ventured into film with Smokey and the Bandit in 1977, and later Norma Ray in 1979, which she received an Academy Award for Best Actress, and she appeared as Aunt May in The Amazing Spider-Man in 2012 and reprised the role in 2014 in its sequel, who is she? Sally Field. How old is Sally Field today? Um, 77. Sally Field is 70 today. Okay. Person having a birthday today, unfortunately, is no longer with us. See if you can identify who this person is. Musician, singer, songwriter, and actor best known as a founding member of the rock band The Eagles. His solo top 40 hits are the following. The One You Love, Smuggler's Blues, Sexy Girl, The Heat Is On, You Belong to the City, True Love, Soul Searching, and Living Right. Who is it? Glenn Fry. Bonus points here. You will. We won't even ask you another question that you have to lose any form of popcorn on. Can you tell me the year he passed away? You get no negatives if you can't get this. 2015? He passed away this year, January 2016. Mm. See if you can identify who this person is having a birthday and how old they are. Journalist, activist, author of six best-selling books, former First Lady of California, and the estranged wife of former California Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger. Who is it? She was on NBC a lot. TV. Maria That's good. Shriver? That's good. That's correct. That's very good. Tell me how old she is today. And I will give you your popcorn if you can get it within five years. 58. You get it. She is 61 today. Okay. This one should be fun. See if you can identify who this is. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. This actor, former actor, key, former, known 
primarily for roles during his childhood and teen years. He played the lead roles in the TV series James at 15 and the made-for-TV films The Loneliest Runner and Salem's Lot in 1979. He is currently selling timeshares and lives on the island of one of the islands of Hawaii. Can you tell me who he is? Lance Kerwin. That's correct, Lance Kerwin. How old is Lance Kerwin today? James at 15 is how old? 50. 50? He is 56 today. Oh. And I know you remember him from Salem's Lot. Mm-hmm. Did you watch him, James at 15? Yes, I did. I never watched that. Never saw an episode of that. But I discovered him in Salem's Lot. I'm so disappointed they never made that into a TV series back then. Mm. That could have been sort of like Supernatural of today. Kind of. Mm-hmm. Remember because yep. how it ended? Yep. The, yep. the very ending? Yep. Who co-starred with him? David Soul. Oh, that's right. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Love that. Two Love par- that movie. Yeah, two-part. Remember, it was two-part on CBS. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We just talked about this person the other night, not on the air. We were just, uh, actually, you came into one of the rooms where the fur kids were watching a certain TV show late at night, and I made a comment about this. Peter DeLuise, having a birthday today. He is 50, known for his role as Officer Doug Penhall on 21 Jump Street, the original series. Director, by the way, and writer of episodes of the sci-fi series uh, Stargate and some other works as well. Who is his father? Was his father? Dom. Dom DeLuise, you are correct. Ethan Hawke, actor having a birthday, age 46, moving over to notable deaths on this date. 1991 marks the passing of Gene Tierney, died at the age of 70. I thought we'd do something uh, as a celebration, a tribute to something we mentioned on the Almanac by going back in time to the golden age of radio. Radio O'Reilly and Kimmy Show. Anytime we have that excuse to go back in time to the golden age of radio, the theater of the mind, we take that advantage and we we sh- we have shows that we feature that are sci-fi, that are you know uh, comic strips that went to radio, to film, adventures, suspense, horror, comedies, and we also have detective shows and mysteries and things like that. And what we're going to do right now is focus on Jean Tierney, who passed away on this date in 1991. Now, her big, big movie role, I mean very big movie role, was a movie called Laura. Have you ever seen that, Kimmy, from 1944? No. All right. Laura was huge, and it is what you would call a whodunit. That's what they used to call them back in like the 40s and 30s, whodunits. Mysteries, in other words, detective type of uh, show. This is a classic. This is a fantastic version of Laura. Now, the radio version is not the audio lifted from the film. This is a, a radio production and totally separate, but here's the key. The key actors from the movie a year later, approximately a year later, went on the radio to do a radio version of it. This is golden. Dana Andrews. Returns in his role. Gene Tierney returns in hers, and so does Vincent Price. And one of the other little side notes that's really cool, the host of this, who kicks off the radio adaptation, is actor Lionel Barrymore. Yeah, You know him from It's a Wonderful Life. Mm-hmm. Also one of the best versions of Scrooge you can ever hear, and we might have that later on this year on the Riley and Kimmy Show. Let's go back in time to 1945. Here's Gene Tierney, Laura, on the Riley and Kimmy Show. 
Lux Radio Theater brings you Laura, starring Dana Andrews, Gene Tierney, Vincent Price, and Otto Kruger. Ladies and gentlemen, your guest producer, Mr. Lionel Barrymore. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Now, if there is one form of entertainment we Americans are singularly partial to, it's the mystery or detective story, popularly known as the whodunit. One out of every four new works of fiction published in this country is a mystery or detective story. Some 300 new books of this sort appear each year. Needless to say, you couldn't read all of them if you tried. But tonight, we're bringing you one of the most intriguing mysteries of recent years. The current 20th century Fox hit, Laura. Our stars are Gene Tierney, who is just completing a bell for Adano at 20th century Fox, Dana Andrews, and Vincent Price. All three in their original screen roles. Also, the ever-versatile Otto Cooper. Well, now it's curtain time. And here's act one of Laura, starring Dana Andrews as Mark McPherson, Gene Tierney as Laura, Vincent Price as Shelby Carpenter, and Otto Kruger as Paul Leidecker. Now, most people who read a newspaper or listen to the radio know the name Paul Leidecker. Mr. Leidecker is a legendary oracle of barbed wire and forget-me-not whose enchanted pen and acid tongue have brought fame to hundreds and oblivion to just as many. His New York apartment is a combination art gallery and Roman bath. And now, immersed in one of his marble pools, Mr. Leidecker has a visitor, Detective Lieutenant Mark McPherson of the Homicide Bureau. Be careful, will you? That stuff is priceless. Oh. Mr. Leidecker? Quite an art collection in there. Those pieces you are pawing over are irreplaceable. Nice little place you have. It's lavish. I call it home. You'll hear about the murder of Laura Hunt. I made my statement yesterday to Sergeant Detective Crane. I know. Told him what I know. Now, suppose you tell me what you know. <laughs> Why not? Uh, hand me that washcloth, Mr. McPherson. Uh, uh, how good a detective are you? I've picked up a few facts. Laura Hunt was killed the night before last. A bell rang. She opened the door and someone pulled the trigger of a shotgun. It wasn't nice. The range was close. Have you found the shotgun? No. What else? The thought comes to me, Mr. Leidegger. Who's questioning who? Uh, may I remind you that you're a guest in my home? <laughs> yeah, that's mm. right. What else, huh? Well, Miss Hunt was a very good-looking girl, probably. About 25, lived in a swell apartment, had a maid named Bessie. And where did she get the wherewithal to support such a menage? Bullet Company, advertising agency. She had a good job, art director or something. Uh, not or something. She has a lady cousin in town and a couple of boyfriends. One named Shelby Carpenter and the other is Paul Lidecker. Hmm. Today is Sunday. Why haven't you tried to see me? Because it's a peculiar case and I wanted to think. Hmm. If you'll wait, I'll go with you when you leave. Why? Murder's my favorite crime. My radio audience loves it. I know you'll visit all your suspects, and I'd like to study their reactions. You're on the list yourself, you know. <laughs> Be insulted if I weren't. Were you in love with Laura Hunt, Mr. Leidecker? Was she in love with you? Laura considered me the wisest, the wittiest, the most interesting man she'd ever met. I was in complete accord with her on that point. Hmm. Now, uh, if you'll excuse me, I'll get dressed. Oh, uh, uh, where shall we be stopping first, Lieutenant? 
I'd like to see Laura Hunt's cousin. Uh, Mrs. Ann Treadwell, yes, yes, of course. A few questions, Mrs. Treadwell. I'll do anything I can to help. Oh, good morning, Paul. Good morning, Anne. You were fond of your cousin, Mrs. Treadwell? I adored Laura. Paul can tell you. Yeah, I can tell you considerable. Did you approve of Miss Hunt's coming marriage to Mr. Carpenter? Well, why shouldn't I approve? I don't know. Uh, just what does Shelby Carpenter mean to you, Mrs. Treadwell? To me? Well, he comes here regularly. Is he a friend, acquaintance? Or are you in love with him? Oh, this is beginning to assume fabulous aspects. What are you driving at? The truth. Are you in love with him? Why, no. I'm very fond of Shelby, of course. Everybody is. I despise him. You've been withdrawing a lot of cash from your bank, Mrs. Treadwell. Fifteen hundred at a clip. Seventeen hundred. I needed that money. Mm Mm-hmm. The day you took out fifteen hundred, Carpenter deposited thirteen hundred fifty. When you withdrew seventeen, he deposited fifteen. You shooting craps, Anne? Oh, must I be insulted like this? Shelby needed some money. I lent it to him. I supposed I could do with it as I pleased. Sure, sure. Now, on Friday night, you were home alone. Why didn't you go to the concert with Mr. Carpenter? Concert? Why, I didn't go because he didn't ask me. Well, hello. Oh, just talking about you, Carpenter. What a coincidence to find you here. This is Lieutenant McPherson. Yes, we've met. I didn't know you were here, Mr. Carpenter. I've been lying down. My hotel room is so hot, and then all the reporters and the telephone. You know how it is, Lieutenant. I've I've hardly slept a wink since it happened. Is that a sign of guilt or innocence, McPherson? I'm as eager to find the murderer as you are, Lieutenant. Laura and I were going to be married this week, you know. No, he doesn't know, and neither do I, nor you, nor anyone else. Oh? Oh, Laura had not definitely made up her mind to marry him. She told me so herself. She was going to the country to think it over. Laura was extremely kind, but she'd never have thrown her life away on a male beauty in distress. I suppose you've heard losers whine before, eh, Lieutenant? Yesterday, you said you went to that concert Friday night, Mr. Carpenter. What did they play? Oh, some Brahms and Beethoven's Night. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, this place Miss Hunt had in the country. Have you got a key to it? No, but I think there's one in her apartment. Well, I'll have a look. And perhaps I could help you? Okay, come along. Goodbye, Mrs. Treadwell. You can start looking for that key now, Mr. Carpenter. Oh, yes, yes. I'll try the den. Excuse That's the dame's portrait on the wall, isn't it? Will you stop calling Laura a dame? Look at the furnishings. Would you call this the home of a dame? Look at her portrait. I am. Not bad. It was painted by Joseph Carter. He was in love with her then. Have you ever been in love, McPherson? A doll in Washington Heights once got a fox fur out of me. Have you ever known a woman who wasn't a doll or a dame? Yeah, one, but she kept walking me past furniture stores. Uh, Where are you going? Phonograph. There's a record on here. Selection from Bitter's. One of Laura's favorites. Not exactly classical, but very nice. You know a lot about music? I don't know a lot about anything, but I know a little about practically everything. Then why did you say they played Brahms and Beethoven at that concert? They played nothing but Sibelius. Did they? Well, to be perfectly honest, I fell asleep and I didn't hear a note. I know it sounds phony, but I'm just a natural-born suspect. You see, I'm not the conventional type. Don't worry, I fall asleep at concerts myself. Find that key? No, maybe it's in here at her desk. Uh, Yes, yes it is. I I knew there must be one around somewhere. Mm -hmm. It's funny, the police looked in that desk drawer yesterday and the drawer was empty. You had the key right along, didn't you, Carpenter? Yes. 
I didn't want to give it to you while Lidecker was present. I have private reasons that don't concern him. You have private reasons, no doubt, to lie about that key. Paul, I'm warning you to stop implying I had anything to do with Laura's death. Very well, I'll stop implying. I'll make a direct statement. You asked for this, Paul. Get out, the two of you. Okay, we came here to find the key, and I've got the key. Now, let's get out. There's nothing more you want from me? No, not now. (laughs) I'll I'll run along, then. You, uh, having lunch, Lieutenant? I guess so. There's a rather a superior restaurant nearby. Okay, let's go. Nice, quiet little place, Mr. Lidecker. Yeah. What's the matter? You uh, wouldn't call me a sentimental person, would you, Lieutenant? Well, I... Dozens of times we sat here at this very table, Lord and I. How long did you know her? Nearly five years. I was just thinking, we're here, we're eating lunch, and it was at lunch that I first met Laura. El Gonquin Hotel. I was alone. I looked up and I found her standing in front of me. She had a layout in her hand. Lydecker, how do you do? I'm Laura Hunt. Well? I'd like to talk something over with you, if I may. I am eating my lunch. Yes, but it's practically impossible to get to see you and I... Either you're from some incredibly remote community where good manners are unknown, or you suffer from a common delusion that being a female exempts you from all the rules of civilized conduct. Possibly. But I wanted to show this to you. It's an ad for the Wallace Flow Wright pen. You're such a famous writer and commentator. It would be tremendously helpful if you'd endorse what we say about the Flow Wright pen. I don't use a pen. I write with a goose quill dipped in poison. And you may tell your employers... That oh, they don't know part. anything about this. It was all my idea. They'd give anything to get your endorsement. And if I were the person getting it, why... You disregard completely something far more important to me than your career. Oh? My food. You mean that, don't you? Well, of course I mean. I never heard of anything so selfish. In my case, self-absorption is completely justified. I have never discovered any subject quite so worthy of my attention. But in your column, on the radio, the things you say, they're filled with such understanding... Such sentiment. Miss Hunt, you are beginning to bore me. You're a poor man, Mr. Lidecker. I feel very sorry for you. Goodbye. The meeting with Laura Hunt occurred about two hours later. Kept after you, did she? No, I went to her because I couldn't stop thinking about her. I was more than slightly annoyed, but she had something, that girl. Something far deeper than good looks. I went to Bulletin Company... Proceeded to do something I have carefully avoided since the age of two. I apologized. Laura looked at me and she smiled. Your apology is accepted, Mr. Lydecker. It was very nice of you to go to all this trouble. Goodbye. Uh, In a moment, uh, Miss Hunt. uh, For reasons which are too embarrassing to mention, I'd like to endorse the Wallace Fluorite pen. Have you an ad? You're a very strange man. Now I'm sure you're sorry for the way you acted. Let's not get psychiatric. But in a word, yes. And you are a very kind person. No, I'm vicious. The real secret of all my charm. But uh, if you think me kind, I'll call for you here at six. What? We'll have dinner together. I can't make it any later. Will you be ready? Why, why yes, I'll be ready. Coffee, Mr. Lidegger? Thanks. I started then to help Laura. I did everything in the world for her. I am a man reputedly of overwhelming ego, but this I admit without reserve. It was Laura's own talent, her own incredible charm that enabled her to rise to the top of her profession. Through me, Laura met 
everyone famous and the infamous. And deferring always to my taste and judgment, she captivated them all. She became as well known as my walking stick in White Carnation. And like them, she was always with me. When does Carpenter enter the picture? Well, men couldn't keep away from Laura, but she never regarded them seriously but me. Her own discrimination ruled them out, and I never had to intercede. She met uh, Carpenter one night at a party at Aunt Treadwell's. She became attracted to him instantly. I was shocked. As a fellow completely without talent, with as much depth of character as a saucer of stale gin. Shortly before I took Laura home, I overheard her talking with Carpenter on the terrace. And so I spend my time doing what I've always done, nothing. <laughs> then tell me, what does it feel like living on the income from an estate? Oh, I once knew what it felt like, but the sheriff interfered with that over ten years ago. Then why don't you work for a living? Oh, I did ask a friend for a job once. All he did was laugh. He thought I was joking. Weren't you? No. When he saw I was sincere, he just got embarrassed. He said he'd phoned me. That was months ago. Do you really want a job? Yes, I do. Then you've got one. What? Now you think I'm joking. Well, I'm not. You just be at Bulletin Company tomorrow morning. You're going to work, Mr. Carpenter. And so in time, they got engaged, huh? They became attached to each other very quickly. I concealed my annoyance with masterly self-control, but here was a situation, however ridiculous, that required my attention. As you will see, it was for Laura's own good. Well, I followed them one night to this very restaurant. They had been working late on some advertising campaigns. Tell me the truth, Laura. Will it really make people brush their teeth more often? <laughs> the idea is wonderful, Shelby. And so are the layouts. By the way, who's the model you use? You don't remember? Well, you hired her yourself, Diana Redford. Oh, of course. Laura, you look wonderful. Well, that's a quick switch of subject. Oh, I like this one much better than toothpaste. Good. Could you have dinner with me tomorrow night just like this? Maybe. And what about the night after that? But Shelby, I can't just... What about three weeks from tonight and all the nights in between? Don't you think I have any other engagement? What about two months from now and the month after that? And what about next year? Then it's all settled. What about breakfast? What about lunch? Beautiful lunches, day after day And what after... about beautiful work? Day after day... Why, Miss Hunt, the way you talk, you'd think I was in love with you. Sparkling <laughs> bit of dialogue, wasn't it, Lieutenant McPherson? If they'd known you were listening, they might have snapped that up a bit. Laura knew that I had overheard them because I told her so the following evening. By then, I had some other information to tell her also. I don't care what you found out about Shelby. It's the snooping about, Paul. It's degrading. Of course, but I thought you'd want to know. That sterling character almost went to jail last year for passing rubber checks. And after that, in Virginia, he was suspected of stealing his hostess's jewelry. Those are only insinuations. I know his fault. But a man can change, can't he? Oh, Laura, for heaven's sake, open your eyes. So Carpenter has changed. Yes, he's changed from you to do Diana Redfern. Running around with her now. A model from your own office. Paul, how can you be so despicable? You know what you mean to me. How can you try so deliberately to hurt me? Hurt you? Paul, Shelby and I are going to be married next week. Ah. You gave him a cigarette case on his birthday, didn't you? A valuable case. Where did you get it? From the pawn shop where Diana Redfern took it after he gave it to her. I don't believe it. He probably needed money and was too proud to borrow. Perhaps that's why this pawn ticket is in her name. I won't let this go any further. I'm going to telephone him. You won't find him at his hotel. Tonight, Carpenter's deserted both you and Miss Redfern. He's dining with a young and wealthy widow. Someone you know. Your cousin, 
He's been treating her rather badly these days. I'll phone Anne at once. Really, my dear, you don't think that Anne would give, give him away, do you? Oh, it's nasty, I know it, but I must make you realize. Now, suppose we visit Cousin Anne, hmm? He won't be there. I know he won't. Oh, good evening, Miss Laura. Good evening, Mr. Lidecker. Hello, Margaret. Oh, I'm terribly sorry, but Mrs. Treadwell isn't at home. Satisfied, Paul? Well, suppose we just wait for her. Oh, please, Mr. Lidecker. Uh, Come in, Laura. Why, Laura, dear. And Paul. We were just having dinner. Yes, I know. Laura, I didn't expect to see you tonight. There you are, Laura, in a moment of supreme disaster. He's trite. I was just telling Anne about our getting married. Well, sit down, you two. Oh, no. No, thanks. I just stopped by to give you this. A cigarette case. You must have misplaced it somewhere. Laura. Laura, wait a minute. I... Good night, Anne. Good night, Shelby. This episode of the cigarette case, Mr. Leidegger. Last Wednesday night? On Friday, Laura had lunch with a Redfern girl. I wish I'd been there. And as I said in my statement, Laura and I were to have had dinner that night. At seven o'clock, my phone rang. I had a sudden sensation of depression, a foreboding of disaster. Hello? Paul, I'm frightfully sorry, but... I just can't meet you. Well, there's nothing wrong, Laura. I mean, you're not ill. Oh, no, no. I've just decided to go to the country for a few days. What, in this storm? Well, it's pouring. It won't last, Paul. It will do me a lot of good to be alone. Oh, you're thinking about Carpenter, hmm? Of course. Hmm. Please, I simply must have time to think this out for myself. Uh, when will you be back, dear? I don't know. I'll call before I leave. Maybe you could meet me. Well, of course I will. Thank you, Paul. Goodbye. Goodbye, my dear. That was the last time I ever heard her voice. This, this red fun girl, where does she live? In Newark. She's in the phone book. I will never forgive myself for allowing Laura to become involved with Carpenter. That was my fault. I should have stopped it long ago, somehow. And she's dead now. It's too late even to think about it. Well, so long. Yeah, too late even to think about it. Uh, oh, uh, uh, goodbye, Lieutenant. <laughs> stars will return with Act Two of Laura in a moment. Act Two of Laura, starring Jean Tierney as Laura, Dana Andrews as Mark McPherson, Vincent Price as Shelby Carpenter, and Otto Kruger as Leidegger. It's an hour later. In front of Laura Hunt's apartment, Lieutenant Detective Mark McPherson picks up Sergeant Crane. Together, they make another thorough search of the girl's rules. Two things interest McPherson. A pile of Laura's letters and a bottle of Scotch whiskey. If you're thirsty, Lieutenant, I think you can do better than that there. I'm not thirsty. When did you say that maid was due here? Any minute now. Say, where's McCavity? In the basement. I've had the telephone tapped. He's sitting on it. But who's going to use the phone besides us? Nobody I know of. Still a good idea. I'm making a call now myself. Go down in the basement and relieve Mac. I'll wait here for the maid. Carpenter's coming, too. Okay. Hello. Moscones? This is Lieutenant McPherson, Homicide Bureau. 
Laura Hunt's been buying liquor from you, hasn't she? Yeah. Did she ever buy a brand of scotch called Black Pony? You sure of that? Okay. Thanks. Oh, come on in, Miss Clary. Never mind that Miss Clary stuff. My name's Bessie. Have a chair. It seems to me you... Those letters. Those letters belong to her. Yeah. You've been reading her private letters. I said sit down. Cops. I was brought up to spit whenever I saw one. <laughs> okay, go ahead and spit if that'll make you feel any better. What do you want to find out? Who killed Laura Hunt? How would I know? You think I'd done it? Ask anyone. Anyone who ever came here. Who I'd have worked for or scrubbed for or done anything she would have wanted of me. Pay or no pay. You're loyal, Bessie. It wasn't only on account of the wonderful things she'd done for me. It was because she was so wonderful herself. Miss Hunt was a real lady. Something cops wouldn't know about. How'd this bottle get into her cabinet? I put it there. It's cheap scotch, Bessie. Laura Hunt wouldn't buy a cheap scotch. I found it on a kitchen shelf Saturday morning. You know what that means? It means that somebody brought it here Friday night. And that somebody was here with her Friday night. Now, who was it? I don't know. But I didn't want anybody to get any wrong idea about her. God rest her soul. Why, I put the bottle in the liquor cabinet. I done more than that. There were two glasses. I washed them out and cleaned off the bottle, too. Destroying evidence, Bessie. I don't care. I'll do anything to keep her name from being dragged through the mud. Relax. Bessie, I'd like some ice in this setup. You mind? I'll get it. A couple of highball glasses. I'm expecting somebody. More cops? No, Shelby Carpenter. Let him in and then get the glasses. The door's open, Lieutenant. Oh, come in. I didn't expect you, Mrs. Treadlow. Oh, are you either, Mr. Lydecker? Shelby's dropping you to hairdresser later. I only sent for you, Carpenter. I know. So I thought I might as well come along. Yes, my excuse is equally feeble. I just dropped in to inquire as to the state of your health, Lieutenant. Insipid, I trust? It's about to have a drink. Oh, Bessie, two more glasses. Yes, sir. Hello, Bessie. What are you doing here? I'm paid up for the week and I'm working regardless. Scotch, Slidecker? Excellent. Will this do? It's Black Pony. I'm a guest here. It'll have to do. Here's the ice and the glasses. You can skip mine, Lieutenant. I'm not much of a daytime drinker. Oh? Well, that'll be all, Bessie. You can go home now. But I... Yes, sir. I'll go. Thank you. I remember when Laura bought these glasses. She loved them. She loved all her things, so. What are you going to do? Sell them? I suppose so, if I'm appointed administrator. I'll probably call in Corey. Corey, the art dealer? Yes, he can dispose of everything. It'll be less... Less gruesome that way. Uh, not quite everything, Anne. There are two or three things that belong to me. That vase, for instance, the antique fire screen, and, of course, the clock. That's quite a hunk of clock. You've got one just like it, haven't you? I noticed it in your apartment. They were made 200 years ago by Corbet Feast. Two clocks exactly the same, created at the order of the Prince of Wales. I lent one to Laura. Oh, really, Paul? Yes, really. But the vase is the gem of my collection, and I intend to have it back. I can take it with me now. Nothing's leaving here, Lidecker. Only you. Oh, is that your quaint way of indicating dismissal? Well, we're all leaving. I've got to get back to headquarters. But I don't understand, Lieutenant. I, I thought you sent for me. I did. Well, don't you want to ask me any questions? Nothing pressing. Oh, I see. Well, I bid you goodbye. The vase, Mr. Lidecker. Put it down. The wa- oh, oh, go, of course. Just a slight touch of kleptomania. Crane? Yeah? McPherson, I'm back. Upstairs in her apartment. How you doing in the basement? Any calls come in this afternoon? Not a thing. I've just been looking the place over. I've only done it 40 times. Anything interesting? Everything's interesting. Especially that portrait. A really beautiful doll, Lieutenant. 
Yeah. I read her letters, smelled the perfume, drank a scotch, gone through her wardrobe. Wait a minute. Yeah? Someone in the hall. Look, it's 7 o'clock. Alford will be along to relieve you. Make sure Alford keeps his ear on that phone. Right. Who is it? Yes. Coming, Lidecker. You just happen to be passing by. And I noticed the lights on. Uh, by the way, have you sublet this apartment, McPherson? You're here often enough to pay rent. Any objections? Yes. Especially to your prying into Laura's letters. That bundle in your pocket, for instance. No, these. They're yours. The best of the bunch. That's the trouble with getting murdered, Lidecker. It ruins your privacy. And have detectives who buy portraits of murdered victims a claim to privacy? Lancaster Corey tells me you already put in a bid for Laura's portrait. That's none of your business. McPherson, did it ever strike you that you're acting very strangely? It's a wonder that you don't come here with roses and a box of drugstore candy. Have you been dreaming of Laura as your wife? By your side at the policeman's ball or in the bleachers? Or listening to the heroic saga of how you acquired a silver shin bone in a gun battle with a gangster? Yeah, I see you have. Why don't you go home? I'm busy. Well, perhaps we can come to terms now, huh? You want a portrait? Perfectly understandable. I want my possessions, my vase, my clock, my fire screen. Now, if you... Get going. Come, you better watch out, Lieutenant. You'll end up in the psychiatric ward. I don't think they've ever had a patient who fell in love with a beautiful girl who died before he met her. Or did you meet her? Well, good night, McPherson. box of drugstore candy. Have you been dreaming of Laura as your wife? Yes, I can see you have. You better watch out, Lieutenant. You'll wind up in the psychiatric ward. I don't think that they ever... What's the matter with me? Maybe you can tell me. You, the girl in that portrait there. You're beautiful. The most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Somebody killed you. Why? Why? I could sit here and look at you all night. All night long, I could sit and... Who is it? Who's in there? You. You. What are you doing there? You're alive. If you don't get out once, I'll call the police. You're Laura Hunt, aren't you? Aren't you? I'm going to call the police. But I am the police, you see. My badge, credentials, Mark McPherson. What's all this about? You don't know? Don't you know what's happened? No. Haven't you seen a paper? Where have you been? In the country. I... I don't get a newspaper. Haven't you got a radio? It was broken. What... Here. Look at these headlines. And sit down, Miss Hunt. I'm very glad to see you. On Friday night, somebody was murdered in this room. What... What did you say? Until you opened that door just now, we thought it was you. Now, do you have any idea who it could have been? You don't know. A girl died from shotgun wounds, close range. No, apparently we don't know. Who had a key to this apartment? Nobody except my maid. And... When did you say it happened? Friday night. You better take off that coat. It's dripping wet. When did it start raining? Just a few minutes ago. It's teeny outside. And it was raining Friday night, too, when that girl... Wait a minute. Raining. Now, come with me, Miss Hunt. Here, into your room. I want you to please look in your closet. I simply don't... Un... The closet, Miss Hunt. Here, open it up. 
Do all these dresses belong to you? Certainly they belong to me. All of them? Every one? Are you out of your mind? Of course they... What's this one? I don't know. You tell me. Why, this dress isn't mine. It's hers. Diana Redfern's. She had it on when she came for lunch on Friday. Well. But this dress wasn't in here when I left. It wasn't. This Redfern girl. Is she a girl about your size? Yes, she's a model. She works for us. Yes, and she lives in Newark. But she hasn't been home. Her landlady said she'd gone to Philadelphia. That's right. We have a branch office in Philadelphia. She had an assignment there. But she didn't go. It was postponed. She got relatives in the city? An aunt and uncle. Same name. They live in the village. Thanks. Where are you going? Just to the telephone, Miss Hunt. I think Miss Redfern's aunt and uncle had better go to the morgue right away to make an identification. Identif... Oh. Right. So long, Inspector. Well, that's that, Miss Hunt. They've located the Redfern. Yes, we ought to know soon. Now, Miss Hunt, when you went to the country Friday, did you see anyone you knew on the train? No. Then what? I got off at Norwalk. I keep a car in a private garage near the station. I drove to my house. It's about 18 miles. What did you do in the country? Worked in my garden. Didn't leave your place in all that time? I keep everything I need in the house. I went there expressly to be alone. Mm-hmm. You were going to marry Shelby Carpenter this week. Yes. But you went away for a long weekend to be alone. You know Shelby Carpenter has a key to this apartment. Why didn't you tell me? Because I know nothing of the sort. He hasn't. How else did the Redfern girl get into the apartment? You knew she was in love with Carpenter. I knew she was in love with him. She told me so herself. But I also know that she meant nothing to Shelby. I understand him better than you do. She was found, and I'm convinced now it was Miss Redfern. She was found in your dressing gown. What of it? You yourself told me it was raining Friday night. You yourself just saw her dress. It's full of wrinkles and rain spots. How did she get in here? Why? Who brought her here? I haven't the slightest idea. Now look, Miss Hunt, do you love this Carpenter fellow so much you'd risk your own safety to protect him? He must have brought her here. You suspect me. You think I killed somebody in jealousy. I'm trying to get at the truth. I'm sorry. Strictly routine. Well, I'll uh, see you in the morning, Miss Hunt. Meanwhile, don't leave this apartment and don't use the telephone. But I've got to use it. I've got to let my friends know I'm alive. I'm sorry, but I must insist. If anything should happen to you now, I, I wouldn't like it. All right, I promise. There's one more thing. I know that you went away to make up your mind whether you'd marry Shelby Carpenter or, or not. What did you decide? I, I decided not to marry him. Well, uh, I'll be seeing you in the morning, Miss Hunt. Good night. Good night. Alford? Is that you, Mark? Yeah. Watch your step. It's pretty dark down here. Anything come through those earphones? Yeah. The mob just called. Is the Redfern girl all right? Well, it kind of balls things up, doesn't it? Yeah. Say, you seem pretty... Hey, wait a minute. She's dialing a number up there. Give me those earphones. Here. Hello? Shelby, this is Laura. I just... Laura. I must tell you... Don't say anything on the telephone. Meet me right away in front of the office. Can you leave? Right away. Was that... Yeah. Dames are always pulling a switch on you. You stay here, Alford. McCavity out front? Yeah. Get headquarters. Tell them to send another man down here right away. McCavity's going to tail the girl. What about you? I think I'll stick by Mr. Carpenter. I'll see you. We pause now for station identification. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
In just a moment, our stars will be back with Act Three of Laura. Now, Mr. Barrymore returns to the microphone. Now, after the play, you're invited to join us for a brief chat with our stars. Now, here's Act Three of Laura, starring Dana Andrews as Mark, Gene Tierney as Laura, Vincent Price as Shelby Carpenter, and Otto Kruger as Lydica. Three hours, Detective Lieutenant McPherson's been following Shelby Carpenter. Now in the black hours of night, he stops his car near a lonely house 18 miles from Norwalk and makes his way carefully toward the front door. It's not quite shut. He peers through the crack for a moment and then walks in. What? What are you doing with that shotgun, Carpenter? Well, I must admit this is somewhat embarrassing, Lieutenant. Let me see that gun been fired recently. Yes, I killed some rabbits with it. When? Oh, a while back. I don't know exactly. I gave the gun to Laura for protection. You haven't borrowed it lately. You didn't just bring it back. Well, you ought to know. You've been following me. You realize the spot you're in? You brought Diana Redfern to Laura's apartment. You knew all along it was she who was murdered. Didn't you know Laura would come back any day and spill the whole thing? Or did you plan to kill her, too? Oh, you're being fantastic, McPherson. You took a bottle of black pony to her house Friday night. I took it there over a week ago. Bessie says Friday night. I can't help what Bessie says. Where's the key to Laura's apartment? I haven't got one. I never had one. Okay, you didn't bring the Scots there Friday night and you never had a key. How did you get in? Well, I... Come on, talk. Talk? Oh, all right. You see, Laura kept an extra key in her office. I'd asked Diana to meet me in a restaurant. I, I wanted to have it out with her once and for all. You know, she thought... Well, she thought she was in love with me. She started to get hysterical. We had to leave. Well, I couldn't very well take her to her room in Newark, could I? Or to my hotel room. So we started to walk. It began to rain suddenly, and we got drenched. I thought of the key, and I stopped by the office to get it. We couldn't find a taxi, and so we walked back to Laura's apartment. Yeah? Diana went to Laura's bedroom. When she came out, she had on a dressing gown. Well, we talked, argued maybe, for a couple of hours, and... And then the doorbell rang. Why didn't you go to the door? I suppose one of Laura's friends had found me there. What would they think of finding Diana there? I told her to say that Laura had lent her the apartment. Anybody who knew Laura would have believed that. Don't stop. Well, I heard Diana open the door, and then there was an awful explosion. By the time I reached her, the door was shut again. Diana just lay there on the floor. Didn't you go out to see who did it? I was too confused, too horrified to do anything. The hallway was dark. I, I don't remember what I did. I knew I had to keep out of it and keep Laura out of it, too. The only thing on my mind was the safety of a person whose life was dearer to me than my own. Don't you understand that? Did you think Laura had killed her? Did you? I don't remember what I thought. Do you think so now? No. On Saturday, when Detective Crane went to see you, you seemed sincerely shocked. I was. I hadn't expected the police to mistake Diana's body for Laura's. But your alibi was already the concert. You knew the minute Laura got back to town, it wouldn't stick. I couldn't think that far ahead. I was groping for some way to keep Laura's name out of it. I was heartbroken about Diana and panic-stricken about Laura. Okay. And tonight you met Laura in front of her office. What did you talk about? About what I've just told you. Well, what are you turning on the radio for? To see if it works. Why don't you tell her the truth? She says you're here to get rid of that gun. She doesn't even know I came here. It was my own idea. The radio works fine, doesn't it? Why wouldn't it? I hoped it wouldn't. All right, we're driving back to New York. Well, am I under arrest? I don't know. 
Just don't leave town. It would be a very foolish thing to do. Oh, good morning, Lieutenant. Good morning. You know, I have a terrific yen to call you Laura. Why don't you forget that lieutenant business and just call me Mark? Because Especially I... since I brought you all these groceries. Breakfast. You didn't buy any food when you went out last night. So you know. Yeah. I can fix bacon and eggs. Can you make coffee? Oh, I uh, spoke to Bessie. She'll be a little late. When I told her you were alive, she'd down there passed out. Yes, yeah, she phoned. You might have been a little more delicate about it. Suppose you set the table, but we'll have to wait a little while for the coffee. I've asked Paul Lidegger to stop by. Did you tell him about me that I'm alive? No. Why not? It's brutal. I'm not doing it for laughs. Why did you break your promise last night? Not to go out? Because I'll never be bound to do anything unless it's of my own free will. The Redfern girl was in love with Carpenter. You admitted that. I also told you he wasn't in love with her. Paul? I don't know. Just sit still in here. Hello, Lieutenant. Laura? Oh, good morning, darling. Hello, dear. Well, excuse me, Lieutenant. I'd like to kiss my fiancé good morning. Oh, so it's on again. Well, do I have to get a police permit? Well, now who? Come in, Lidecker. The door's unlatched. Lidecker, huh? Right on my heels. Well, McPherson, have you thought over the deal I suggested? What about the portrait and the... Why? What? Paul! Laura. Don't try to talk now. Come on, I'll take him into the bedroom. Just be quiet, Paul. Yeah. Yeah. How is he? He'll be all right. He's lying down. This is going just a little too far, McPherson. Your methods are vicious. Must have been a terrible shock to him, seeing me. Poor darling. Don't tell me you're in love with Lydecker, too. Stop talking that way to Miss Hunt. Laura. Why do you cover up for a guy like Carpenter? What story did he tell you when you met him last night? Don't answer him, darling. Shut up. I've got enough on you, Carpenter, to arrest you right now. Quick, McPherson, the handcuffs. Trundle him off to the Hooskow. Oh. I hope you'll forget my weak touch of angina, my dear. It's an old family custom. Uh, did I interrupt a pinch, McPherson? I've changed my mind for the moment. Well, in that case, better order some food and liquor, Laura. People are coming to celebrate your return this afternoon. A cocktail party. Who asked them? I did. In the quiet of your boudoir just now. I called my man and he's calling all our dear friends. Why did you do that? Well, perhaps our friends can weave all the loose ends into a noose. Eh, McPherson? You shouldn't have gone to all that trouble, Mr. Lidecker. I'd already called them. Well, I'll run along now, Laura. Sorry about the breakfast. Some other time, maybe. <laughs> Shelby, Shelby, come here. What's the matter, darling? Your party's a huge success. Shelby, tell me. I must know. Why did you go to the country last night? Laura. Well? You don't know? I was afraid you wouldn't think of hiding that shotgun. What shotgun? The one I gave you. Oh, darling, you don't have to lie to me. Well, what's going on here? Oh, nothing at all, Ann. In case you don't know it, that McPherson man hasn't taken his eyes off you. I know. Maybe it would be better if I, well, mingled with our guests. Laura, McPherson suspects him. Shelby. He suspects me, too. Oh, don't be absurd. You could never have done a thing like that. Darling. Yes? 
Are you as interested in Lieutenant McPherson as he is in you? Anne, I only met him last night. Sometimes that's more than long enough. Anyway, he's better for you than Shelby. Anybody is. Shelby's better for me. Why? Because I can afford him. He's no good, but he's what I... Wait a minute. He's coming. Mark. Oh, Mark, is it? I'm sorry to break up your party, Laura. But you haven't. You've been a model guest so far. I'm not joking. Get on your things. I'm taking you to headquarters. I thought I was going to get a cell and a denim dress. Is this your office? Before they trot out that denim dress, I want to know what you why you've been holding out on me. Have I been? You told me the radio at your country place was broken. It was. Not last night. I stopped in the village on my way back. I asked the local handyman to fix it. And how did he get in? With a key. The key I always leave under the flower pot on the porch. All right, I'll accept that. Why? Because you're too intelligent to make up a story I could check so easily. The main thing I want to know is why you pulled that switch about Shelby Carpenter. You told me last night you decided not to marry him. But today it was on again. Why? I changed my mind. What went on between you and Carpenter when you met him last night? Or should I guess... He convinced you that if you broke your engagement now, people would think you believed that he killed Diana Redford. Yes, but now I know the real reason why he wanted to stay engaged. He thinks I did it. So do you. Are you in love with him? No, I don't know how I ever could have been. Come on, Laura. You're going home. But I thought I was... That's what I wanted you to think. You and a few other people. I didn't even book you. And all this was just some sort of a game. I was 99% certain about you, but I just had to make sure of that 1% doubt. Wasn't there an easier way to make sure? You're, you're smiling. You're not sore? No, Mark. I'm not sore. Go back to your party, if there's anything left of it. And you? I'm going to Lydecker's apartment. I'll drop by later on. <laughs> long time since we've been together. Well, darling, what's the matter? Nothing, Paul. You're worried. Yes, McPherson. He's using you for something. I don't think so. I don't deny he's infatuated with you in some warped fashion, but he's incapable of any normal human relationship. He's been dealing too long with criminals. When you were attainable, unattainable, and he thought you were dead, that's when he wanted you most. Fell in love with your portrait. He was glad when I came back, as if he were waiting for me. You know what he calls women? Dames. A dame in Washington Heights once got a fox fur coat out of him. That's his very word. That doesn't mean anything, Paul. He isn't like that. Laura, my dear, you have one glaring weakness. With you, a lean, strong body is always the measure of a man. And you always get hurt. No man is ever going to hurt me again. No, not even you. I? Hurt you? Laura, look at me. You were a long time finding out about Shelby. But that's all over now. We'll be together again. Wait, the door just opened. Don't get up, it's only me. Oh, haven't you heard of science's latest triumph, the doorbell? I'm glad you're here, Lidecker. I've just been to your apartment. Uh, do you mind if I should search your pockets? I found a shotgun. Oh. But I wasted my time. It wasn't the gun that killed Diana Redfern. First he tells you he thinks you're innocent, and then he proceeds to check up on you. I never said you're innocent. Me? I'm talking about Laura. My dear, this entire maneuver could be a trick to throw you off guard. It could be. But it isn't. I know. I believe you, Mark. See, I'm beginning to get annoyed. Laura, it's the same obvious pattern. If McPherson weren't full of muscles and good looks, uh, in a cheap sort of way, you'd see through him in a second. Paul, I mean to be as kind about this as I know how. 
But you're the one following the same obvious pattern. First with that painter you thought was in love with me. Then with Shelby. And now I suppose... Laura, what are you saying? That I don't think we should see each other again. But, darling, you're not yourself. Yes, I am. For the first time in ages, I know what I'm doing. Very well. I hope you'll never regret what promises to be a disgustingly earthy relationship. Oh, uh, listen to my broadcast in ten minutes. I'm discussing the other great loves of history. That was the most difficult thing I've had to do in my whole life. Yeah. Yeah, but I still haven't found it. I haven't found it. What? The gun that killed Diana Redfern. What are you doing? Taking a look at your clock. He's got one just like it, hasn't he? Yes, but... I wasn't alone just now in Lydecker's apartment. A guy named Sergeant Crane came with me. Crane's old man is a clockmaker. And while I wore myself out looking for a shotgun, all the sergeant did was drool about Lydecker's clock. He said, probably, there's not another one like it in the world. Obviously, he was wrong. Yeah, and he showed me something about that clock. A little feature with all clocks made by Corbett Feasts. Underneath, here, near the floor, is a little spring. You push the spring, and the whole bottom compartment opens up. See? Like this. But I never knew. In the old days, I guess people used the compartment for a kind of safe. Today, they use it for hiding other things. Shotguns, for instance. Well, this is it, Laura. I'm sure of it. And it was put here by the only man who knew about this clock, Paul Lidecker. Oh, no. Yeah. When the red friend girl opened the door, this hallway was dark. Lidecker saw a girl, assumed it was you, and he fired. He figured if he couldn't have you for himself, he was going to make sure no one else did. He heard Carpenter, so he hid behind the stairway outside in the corridor. Carpenter was scared to death, and he got out as fast as he could. Then Lidecker slipped back in and tucked the gun away in the grandfather clock. Oh, I've felt it ever since I came back. I'm the one to blame. Not for anything I did, but for what I didn't do. I should have stopped seeing Paul long ago. But I couldn't. I owed too much to him. I can understand all that. But I can't understand why you tried so hard to protect Carpenter. I was frantic you to arrest him. I knew he wasn't guilty. But I knew Paul would do everything he could to incriminate him. It was his way of getting rid of Shelby, just as he got rid of every other man who might have meant something to me. For a charming, intelligent girl, you've certainly surrounded yourself with a remarkable collection of dopes. Now, look, don't touch anything. I'm leaving the gun and the clock. I'll have it picked up in the morning. You're going? Yeah, I'm picking up Lidecker. Mom. I've got to. You know that. Try and get some sleep, will you? Sleep? Well, maybe I can. I'll read a book, listen to the radio. Will you call me later? Sure. Try and forget all this. It's just a bad dream. Good night, Laura. Good night, Mark. Good night. And be careful, please. And now, ladies and gentlemen, with his final word for this evening, Mr. Paul Lidecker. As history has proved, love is eternal. The strongest motivation for man's actions throughout centuries. Love is stronger than life. It reaches beyond the dark shadows of death. May I remind you of some favorite lines of mine from Dowson's poem? They are not long, the weeping and the laughter and love and desire and hate. I think they have no portion in us after we pass the gate. They are not long, days of wine and roses, out of a misty dream. Our path emerges for a while, then closes within a dream. 
That's the way You've it is. You've heard the voice of Paul Nidegger by electrical transcription. This is the. There is the final irony to all of this, Laura. You know how I despise melodrama, and yet here I am, a gun in my hand, about to kill you. Oh, you've taken one life, isn't that enough? The best part of myself, that's what you are, Laura. Do you think I'm going to leave you to the vulgar poings of a second-rate policeman who thinks you're a dame? You'll find you, Paul, you know you will. leave. Don't you overestimate the man who thought I left a few moments ago. And all I did was wait in the hall, Laura. And then I let myself in again with the key I've always had. I'm not going to lose you, Laura. Open the door. Don't move, Laura. He didn't leave. He's somewhere in this building. Laura, are you all right? He'll find us together, darling. As always we should have been. As always we will be. No, no, no. Turn your face, darling. Please, turn your face. I can't... Sorry, Miss Santa, I had to do it. I better let the boss in before he busts down your door. Laura, Laura. It's, it's all right, Mark. Got him through the window, Lieutenant, from the fire escape. I'll call headquarters. Fine detective. A fine detective I am. Laura. Goodbye. Goodbye, my love. It's all right, darling. It's all right. The bad dream is over. Now, back to Mr. Barrymore and our stars. Well, now that we've solved tonight's baffling crime, with the help of Gene Tierney, Dana Andrews, Vincent Price, and Otto Kruger, we invite our stars to the footlights for their curtain call. And I might add that for Dana, this is the first appearance on our stage. First for me, too, Mr. Barrymore. For you, too, Gene? Well... With Van Johnson here on our 10th anniversary show, the Lux Radio Theater's had a pretty good season for new stars. I hear you're making a picture with Van Johnson, Mr. Barrymore. Mm, That's right, Vincent. Between two women. (laughs) 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 At Metro Golden Mayor. Well, I'll tell you a secret about Dana. He's going romantic on us in his next picture. What picture's that, Dana? It's a Technicolor, Vincent, for 20th Century Fox. State Fair. Who's in it with you? Well, the largest group in the cast is 54 prize Hampshire hogs. Hogs? Hogs? <laughs> now, let me get this straight, Dana. You're playing a romantic role? Uh-huh. <laughs> and you know, one of those pigs weighs 880 pounds. Uh, undoubtedly the uh, biggest ham in the picture. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I can see now why there's a bacon shortage. All the hogs are going to the pictures. <laughs> Well, Dana, you said those hogs are a good example in acting, and we look forward to producing State Fair in this theater someday. Good night. Good Good night. Good night. Good night. I hope we meet again. If you enjoyed that golden age of radio production, be sure to follow The Riley and Kimmy Show. We feature old-time radio shows from time to time. We have archived episodes available right now on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Some of them have old-time radio episodes on them. Please tell your friends about the Riley and Kimmy Show. Help us grow. Our social media links are available on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. That's R-I-L-E-Y and Kimmy, K-I-M-M-Y dot com. If you friend, follow, and like us, We will friend and follow you back. Also, 
Be sure to check out our website, events page, and our social media pages for updates where the Riley and Kimmy show will be appearing next. And we're available for your pop culture event and also those that are animal-based, about pets and animals too. We have a spinoff show called Animal Special. So be sure to tell your friends about us. It's the Riley and Kimmy show, the nerd variety talk show with daily pop culture episodes. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Find archive podcasts of The Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.